Uh, good morning. We're continuing our series of studies entitled Flirting with Disaster. And specifically this morning, we're going to consider the subject of laziness. In Proverbs chapter 21, verses 25 through 26, the scripture says, The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greediently all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. You know, you and I as students of God's word understand that a lot of the writings in Proverbs were written in a very poetic language. Oftentimes the writer uses a lot of literary devices to really prove a point. And what I mean by that is sometimes the writer uses what we call a hyperbole. And hyperbole is just an extreme exaggeration to prove a point. So, for example, if we look at the first line of that scripture, it says, the desire of a lazy man kills him. Well, we might read that initially and think, well, that's kind of a bit of an exaggeration, maybe that the writer is using to really expound upon us the severity of laziness. Sometimes the writer in Proverbs uses what we call parallelism. And specifically in this verse here, an anthetic parallelism. Well, what is that? That's when a writer takes two different subjects and he puts them together and he contrasts them so that you can draw an inference. Well, what does that mean? Well, if we look at Proverbs 21 here and we look at those two verses, there's two subjects there. It says, the desire of a lazy man, that's the first subject, and it's contrasted with what? With a righteous man which leads you and I to draw the inference or the conclusion that a lazy person can what? Not be a righteous person. You know, laziness destroys relationships. Laziness destroys jobs. Laziness destroys homes. And laziness destroys souls. And yes, I use that word, destroys. Laziness is wickedness. Laziness is unrighteousness and it's sin. If you recall back in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gave us the parable of the talents. And you remember what he said? He said there was three men who the master came to his servants and he entrusted with them talents. And he says, I'm going to go away to on a far journey. And when I come back, I expect you to utilize those talents that when I get back that they've been invested, that they've been labored, that they've been produced. And it says that when the master came back that there was one laborer who dug his talent and hid it in the ground. And when the master approached that servant, what did he say? He said, you wicked and lazy servant. You see, wickedness is associated with laziness. In fact, if we were to just simply define laziness, we would say that it's the quality of being unwilling to work or to use energy. It is idleness. It's idleness. And notice that I said that it's unwilling to work. It's not those who are incapable of working or those who cannot work, but it's those who refuse to work who are unwilling to work. You and I were created in the image of God to be co-workers with God. In fact, if we look in Genesis chapter 2, and we look in verse 4 through 5, and then we'll skip over to verse 15, it says that this is the history of the heavens and the earth. That when they were created, in that day, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. 
For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. You and I were made in the image of God to be a co-worker with God, to be a co-producer with God, to be a co-cultivator with God. And what I want us to notice here is that when we look in Genesis chapter 2, this is before the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. Before God even pronounced a curse on the man and woman for the sin that entered the world, he had an intention that you and I as mankind would be workers. That we would exert energy to his glory. God expected mankind to take the elements of the earth and to utilize those elements and to craft them and to cultivate them and to use them through his labor to produce a society and a civilization and an environment in which would glorify God through man's work. You see, God is a working God. God is a creative God. And when God created man, it was his intention, his desire that man would do the same that we would be in his likeness. And the problem is, is that there are so many today who are laying around in idleness, who are laying around in laziness. Many young men, young men, God designed you to be powerful. He created you to be strong, to use the energy in your body, to exert it, to be a producer, to be a laborer, and to use it for his glory. And today, so many young people lay around with their nose and a phone all day on the couch. And what happens is, is the energy that God has given them sits up and it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And that energy is not used and it's not cultivated in a way and it's not directed in a way that's constructive for God's glory. And it goes back to these young people oftentimes use that energy that's built up to get into a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And so you and I need to be vigilant. You and I need to be very aware of the seriousness of being lazy. It talks about the lazy man's desires build and build and build. We read in Proverbs chapter 21 that to eventually it will bleed over into avenues of destruction and sinful behavior. You know, there's a lot of sin that is birthed out of laziness. There are a lot of people who are addicts who will tell you that their addiction started from what? Their own boredom. Their own boredom. You know, the Apostle Paul saw the the need to address this issue. He saw the severity of laziness when he wrote to the Thessalonians. He says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but your busybodies. Paul was writing to those people and he said, you know what, when me and Silas showed up there, we worked. We were not only ministering to that congregation there, but we were working night and day. Why? Because we were trying to set an example to you. The importance of hard work. Not only were we serving you in that capacity, but we wanted to be an example. We didn't want to show off to you, hey, look at us, we're working hard, but we were trying to set an example for the members of that congregation that you are to work. He even goes on to say that if there's, a, if there's a member there, there's a man there, and he refuses to work, he should what? He shouldn't even eat, right? He shouldn't even eat. And he said, because of your laziness, you've become busybodies. You know what a busybody is? 
A busybody is someone who meddles in other people's affairs. There's someone who relishes talking about the drama of other people's life, and God said that it's sin. And he says because of their idleness, because of their laziness, because they're not using the energy that God has given them, they're birthed over to the sin of being a busybody. A busybody. And so Paul tells them even to the point that you shouldn't even have anything to do with people who are like this. But to encourage those people who are falling into that sin and to warn them about idleness and to warn them about laziness. You know, I think that there are really three types of laziness. I think that there is one, obviously, physical laziness. Well, what is physical laziness? You know, if you were to put that in the context of work, for, for example, it would be the person who habitually shows up late for work. But yet they're the first person to clock out before everyone else. Physical laziness would be the type of people who take these prolonged lunch breaks that are unnecessary because they're trying to milk the clock and get through the day, right? That's physical laziness, and I think that we all have a general understanding of that. But there's also what I think is called mental laziness. Well, what is mental laziness? Mental laziness is where we don't want to exert our mind powers to learn and to be creative and to be studious. And so you could use it as an example as a student who refuses to do his homework. They've been told and told over and over and over again, do your homework, but because they're so lazy, they don't want to sit down and use the energy that God has given them in their brain to exert that to learn. You know, I'll, I'll tell on myself sometimes, you know, sometimes Jessica will you call me, hey, we need to do uh, our monthly finances or whatever. We need to sit down when you get home and go over those. And I've been at work all day, and the last thing that I want to do when I've come home is to sit down and open up books and look at numbers and, and talk about those things. And so typically what I'll do is, yeah, 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 when we get home, we'll, we'll do that, we'll look at that. Well, you know what happens the majority of the time when we get home? That doesn't happen a lot of the times. And it's frustrating, and it gets pushed off and off and off. You know, there's a proverb that says that people who continually say, yeah, 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 we'll get to that, we'll do that, and don't do that, that's an attribute of laziness. That's an attribute of laziness. And guess what? If that's not addressed and that's not corrected and we don't sit down and time we do our finances, there's a repercussion for that. That's just proverbial wisdom, right? And so mental laziness is an aspect of laziness. And then obviously I believe there's what we call spiritual laziness. That's when we're just apathetic in our studies. That's when we come to, to, to church and we expect other people to entertain us. We expect other people to serve us. Rather than when we get here, we have the intention of what can we do for other people. People who are just spiritually, spiritually lazy. In Proverbs chapter 6, in verses 6 through 11, the Bible says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. A sluggard is a lazy person. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain or overseer or ruler provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. And I really like the analogy here that, that the writer uses in Proverbs, and he uses the analogy of an ant. 
how you can consider the ant, how the ant is a worker, that there's not a ruler, there's not a foreman, there's not someone who stands over the ant and commands it to work and directs it to work. But even a small species of an ant understands that for its own preservation, for its own survival, that it needs to work. And that you and I as God's people should be the same way. That we should have a maturity about us and understand the value and the reward that comes from working hard. And the consequence of not doing that. And so, I really like what the writer uses there. Now, I think that we've established that laziness is bad. You know, laziness is not something that I think that many parents run to elders about and counselors about. And they say, save my kid from laziness. Save their soul from laziness. There's a number of other things I think that parents would probably run to counselors and elders about. But really, laziness is, is really something that we more like complain about. Well, I can't get them to do their homework. Well, I can't get them to get off the couch. Or I can't get them to do something. That's just, that's just laziness. But what we've established is that's a sin. And so how do we deal with it? How do we correct it? How do we motivate ourselves to deal with it? I think that for us to really, to really understand and have a maturity about this subject is I think we need to understand our own health. You know, there's been many a times in my life where I've looked at a particular person and thought, that dude is straight up lazy. Straight up lazy. Man, I hope we're not paying him by the hour. You know people like that? You know what I didn't understand? Is that person might have a hormone imbalance that I didn't know anything about. We might, we might look at a woman sometimes and say, man, she's kind of lazy. But what you didn't understand because of speaking out of ignorance is maybe she has a thyroid issue. Maybe we look at that mother over there and we think, oh, she's kind of dragging, she's kind of lazy. Well, you didn't understand that she's been up for four days straight with her kid and she's sleep deprived. And yet our perception of that, we can be judgmental and we can perceive people and we can, and we can have miscalculations of people. We can perceive them as lazy. But what you and I need to understand is that we need to be involved with ourselves. We need to be studying ourselves and taking care of our own families and let God deal with that issue. And if you're someone who you feel like you don't have energy, you feel like you're sluggish, maybe you should go to a doctor and be tested and be evaluated and see if there's something they could do to improve your health. Because God has made us part physical. There's a part of us biologically that is the way that we're designed and it can be influenced by that. But I also say this, that there are a number of people out there who use their health as an excuse not to work. And what you and I as Christians should highly consider is that we should really look at ourselves and make sure that we're not giving that excuse if it's not true. You know, the Bible says that God's going to judge the hearts of men. He's really going to look into our heart. And if we're just using that as an excuse and it's not a true statement, God will judge you by that. And so, one, we need to be careful about how we perceive other people because we may not know what's in their life. And number two, we need to really take a self-examination of ourselves to make sure that we're not excusing ourselves when maybe we're not in that same condition. Number two, how do we deal with laziness? My next step is make your bed. This gentleman up here is Admiral William H. McRaven. He's a highly decorated Navy SEAL. And in May of 2014, he was asked to give a commencement speech at the University of Texas to a graduating class. And kind of the theme of that commencement was changing the world. We have these graduates here at UT and they're going to be graduating and going on with their life. How, do, how are they going to change the world? 
And so they invited him. He was a, a graduate of the University of Texas and a highly decorated Navy SEAL, obviously someone that a lot of people respected, traveled the world, accomplished a lot of things that most people in this life couldn't physically, mentally, psychologically, emotionally. And so he was a really good speaker. And he entitled a speech, and I want to read you an excerpt of it, called Make Your Bed. He says, if you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another task. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you do little things right, if you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that's made, that you made. And a made bed gives encouragement that tomorrow will be better. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. You know, I think that there is a lot of wisdom in that. You know, the first law of motion in Newtonic physics is, is that once an object's in motion, it tends to stay in motion. And once an object is stagnant and it's not in motion, it tends to stay that way. You and I need to exert the effort to get up and to take care of the little things in our life because those little things compound into bigger things and bigger things and a small sense of completion helps us to get through the day to accomplish other tasks. That's just a practical lesson that I think has a lot of wisdom and value in it. And so if we feel like we're being lazy, we feel like our life's not in order in that regard, sit back and consider what we're doing. The very first thing that we do in the morning sets the precedent for how the rest of our day is going to be. And that kind of segues into my next point, is getting up earlier. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 13, it says, Love not sleep, lest, any of you, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll have plenty of bread. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 14. As the door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. You and I need to understand the value in hard work and getting up and being productive and utilizing the most that we can with the time that God has given us. That's just proverbial wisdom. There's been research that shows that people who get up earlier in the morning, who go to bed earlier, who get up earlier, have far more high, higher levels of confidence. They have far more uh, le levels of uh, creativity. And they're people who tend to better evaluate and prioritize their life from, from tasks and matters that are important versus tasks and matters that are more urgent because they're utilizing the time that God has given them. And lastly, the last point I want to make about why I think or how I think that we can better understand laziness and how we combat it is, is understanding that physical labor helps us understand the implications of spiritual labor. In John chapter, uh, excuse me, in John chapter uh, 5, in verses 16 through 17, it says, For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. And so when we read this passage, this is a passage about a group of people who were diseased, a group of people who were paralyzed and who were lame, who would lay out by this pool of water. 
And occasionally from time to time, an angel would come down and stir the water. And what would happen is, is the first person who could get in that water would be healed. And so what would happen is, is you would just have congregations and congregations of sick people who would just lay around this pool of water waiting for an angel to come. And Jesus is passing through this area and he sees a paralyzed man who's laying there. And Jesus says, well, don't you want to be healed? And the guy says, well, I want to be healed, but I'm paralyzed. And when the angel comes down and stirs the water, there's nobody who's going to forfeit their opportunity to jump in the water to put me in there. And so Jesus heals him. And then all the, all the Jews and all the Pharisees and all their hypocrisy standing there over there pointing their finger accusing Jesus of, of working on the Sabbath. And what did Jesus say? He says, my father's working into now. Remember, we talked about this, that God is a working God, that God's a proactive God, that God's a creative God, that he's constantly in a stasis of work. And you and I need to be grateful for that because he could stop the planet just like this. He could suck the oxygen right out of this world because God is a creative, proactive, working God. And Jesus says, I'm working just like my father is. Jesus understood the value of time. Jesus understood how much little time that he had on earth and that he was going to be out physically using that time, exerting his energy to the glory of God. You and I need to understand the reward and the value of hard work. Our society subtly does not value that. I mean, just think about our normal conversations that we have, people that we don't even, don't even mean this. I, I see people all the time, don't work too hard when you run off. Take it easy. I mean, those are just general casual conversations and greetings, but we live for leisure. And there's so much value and there's so much wisdom that can be found in work. And what's, what's interesting about physical work is physical work is a truth that bleeds over into spiritual work. That you understand that you reap what you sow. It's if I go into work and I punch the clock and I work and I, and I generate hard work and I produce a paycheck to come home to take care of my family, there's a small sense of pride that comes in that. Whether I'm grateful for it or not. Reaping and sowing with the time that I have. And it's the same in the spiritual context. The little time that we have on this earth, what we're doing, it, what we're doing in that time to exert energy to the glory of God through hard work and through labor. Right? It's just going back to the parable of the talents. When the master shows up and you've not done anything, that's not going to be good. And when Christ comes back and we're standing with our hands in our pockets in idleness, that's not good. That's not a condition that you and I want to be in. And so, whatever it is, whether you're a teacher, whatever you do, whether you're a, a, a business owner, you do it to the glory of God. Why? Because the scripture says whatever you do, you do it with all your might. Young men, you go across the street, you, you drag that trash can over from the widow's house and you bring it to the front of her, from her house. Why? Because she may be sitting in there all day wondering for three hours how she's going to get the trash can to the front of her yard. But you know what you can do? You can use the energy that God's given you in your body to go and serve other people. To make God proud. To be a representation of Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, you're using that energy to serve God. If you're going to get up here and give a lesson, do the best you can do with it. If you're going to go to work, you do the best you can. If I'm working in a grocery store and my boss is telling me to do commands, I'm going to do the best I can. Why? Because that's what God expects of me. If I'm sacking groceries, I'm going to do my best that I don't smash the bread and eggs when I put them in the sack. Because I'm working for, I'm working for the glory of God. 
whatever I'm doing. If I'm Danny and I'm on a pull job out there, when I'm finished, I'm going to pick up my tools, I'm going to pick up my trash, and I'm going to leave that yard clean, and I'm going to go back. Why? Because I'm doing it for the glory of God. If I'm Matt and I'm going to go make a lesson plan, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to do the best I can on that lesson plan to educate those young minds. Why? Because I'm doing it for the glory of God. If I'm a stay-at-home mother and I'm teaching my children and I'm educating my children, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because I'm establishing a foundation for their future and I'm laboring in that because I want their future to be great and I'm doing it to the glory of God. Not everybody's got to have a part-time job, but if you have a part-time job, you do it with all your might. If your parents tell you to do a chore, you do it with all your might. If your boss gives you a command, you do it with all your might, and you do it with due diligence. Because we don't want to be a lazy people. We want to be a respectable people, and we want to use the time and energy that God has given us so that we can be co-producers and co-workers like him. I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, I appreciate your attention. You've been a very attentive audience. At this time, we're going to have an invitation song. If you have a matter to bring before the congregation, we ask that you come as we stand and sing.